You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life. Reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Thank you for joining us this week as Josh Gray leads us to reflect on our hearts. And discusses what it means to be a part of your church. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Real Life. How are you guys doing? Good morning, Pullman. How are you guys doing? We have three or four hundred other folks that you don't even get to see. You already missed the first group that was here. What are you guys doing here? Don't you know there's a total eclipse of the heart tomorrow? Or total eclipse, right? Hey, everybody go heading south. Like half our staff's gone. I'm like, oh, it's a big deal. I must be missing out on this thing. So Michael had a good joke. I don't think he said it this time, but he talked about eclipse that happened when he was in uh, middle school in like 1979. He's like, yeah, we just all went out there and we're just like looking at it. No glasses, nothing, you know. Back in the 70s where you didn't have to wear seatbelts and stuff. So I'm not trying to have an indictment on his uh, age or anything. But my name is Josh Gray. I'm uh, honored to be here. I'm the executive uh, coach here at Real Life. I'm in charge of uh, finances and staff development and all that good stuff. And so uh, honored to be here. Uh, Marty and Aaron uh, said, they're like, we want that sermon, Josh, that you're supposed to preach. So you can preach whatever you want, because we're going to be coming back. Marty and Aaron are actually uh, in Turkey right now on a scouting trip. Just the two of them and the guy, they're seeing all kinds of different places to go for as they take you guys to go to Turkey and to see these different trips. So they're going to come back with their hair on fire, and they are stoked to preach that sermon. So I get to preach whatever I want. And being the executive, uh, we're going to talk about spreadsheets and finances and, um, you know, profit loss ratios and how much do we spend on the, hey, got some accounts in here. They're like, woo, no, actually, uh, no, we're not going to talk about that. Um, I feel like God has laid this uh, sermon on my heart for a while and uh, God's providing the opportunity to to preach it, and so I'm super excited to share with you what God's been doing to, uh, with me. We want to welcome uh, our Pullman folks with the WSU students. Welcome if you're uh, if you came into town and you're checking out a church uh, for the Cougs, and we also want to welcome our Vandal students here today. Right? Woo! So, do you know why? You know how you know if you live in Moscow or Pullman? You know how you know if it's if school's getting ready to start? Besides the fact you can't find anything on the Walmart shelves is that there's a construction going on in a major place that you need to actually go to. So I think what they do is they wait until like, oh, when's school start? Oh, it's the 20th of August? All right, let's tear up 95, let's tear up a, let's tear up a highway. Let's do it now. So uh, may the Lord forgive me and some of my thoughts and actions as I have, <laughs> have suffered through this horrible construction as I'm sitting in my air-conditioned car. Yeah. So are you guys ready to dive in? Get after it. See what God has for us. You know, when I leave um, our sermons with Marty and Aaron, who are just amazing teachers. Actually, I leave in the sermon club on Tuesday, and I'm, my mind's blown, and we leave here. Uh, and to me, it feels sometimes like brain surgery, where you just walk out of here, and you're just like, you know, my brain has exploded. They always did. My brain has exploded. And we have such great teachers. Today, I feel like God's calling me to do some heart surgery. As we dive into our hearts and, and what does this really look like and, and to live this out. So the title of this sermon is called Your Church. It is Your Church. 
And so when you think about this and you think about what happened here, we're coming close to our 10-year anniversary as a church, and uh, we're going to have an amazing, uh, amazing celebration of that. Um, but you think about 10 years ago when Aaron is called. He's called to leave one of the fastest-growing churches in America that he helped co-found or co-plant. Uh, he can kind of ride his ticket to do whatever he wants. He lives in a, a great neighborhood with their house just built. Uh, uh, they've lived in it for a couple years, their dream house and all these things. And, and God says, Aaron, I want you to come to the Palouse. I want you to come to the Palouse. I mean, really, line them up together. Coeur d'Alene, and what do they have in Coeur d'Alene besides like lakes and shopping and and inter airports and and Spokane. I mean, if you line them up, Coeur d'Alene versus Pullman and Moscow, it's not really even a, a competition. Who would want to live in Coeur d'Alene? <laughs> no, you know he was called here, right? He was called here. And, and God put that calling on Michael and Rosemary's life to, to come with him, to leave their house that they had just moved into, like their dream house, six months old, that they had just moved into. Why did you leave that and just go, go for a place where there's no guarantee? Or we're not sure how much we're going to be able to pay her if we can pay her. And then Charlie Couch is like, yeah, sure, me too. Sounds like a good idea. And so all of us, as you look around, you know, we're here as a result, and we have this great community because somebody was called. And Aaron was called with a vision. And in the text in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Do you know that your church has a vision? Do you know that God has put a vision in your heart for your church and how you can participate in it? The people perish, but the, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Keepeth. You guys use that phrase all the time. Keepeth, right? That's, your, that's a little King James version for you. Take that for you King James lovers that are holding on to the King James. Keepeth. So where there is no vision, the people perish, but we have vision here. You wouldn't be here if we didn't have vision. And so our stated vision as a church is to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. Your church. How are you part of that vision? How are you reaching the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time? And we actually have a process to do this. We're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Sounds like great. No, the vision statements that are out there that you have no idea, like, it just sounds cool but there's no follow-up to it. We have a process. We have a mission. How are we going to accomplish this vision? We have a mission. And our mission is to create biblical disciples through relational environments. We want to show you how. Discipleship is not happening probably here at this moment. This is a one-way conversation. You have to scream really loud to get into this mic, right? But we're in, in the process of equipping, so we want you to get in a relational environment. You will not be pastored here if you are not in a relational environment. And a relational environment is a small group. It's a study. It's something where you're sharing your life and your heart with other people. Otherwise, you're just an attender. You're attending a show on Sunday, and we want to do a great job here. We have great music and lighting and stage and, and screens and all those things. But our job is to, is to get you plugged into that vision. And if you don't know how to do that, if you do not know how to make disciples and you're wondering like somebody said we should go make disciples who was that oh that's right it was jesus well we have a class coming up the 201 class next saturday and we're going to show you exactly this is how we do it uh oh this is how we do it 
This is how, how we make disciples, and you're welcome to, to attend that, to be a part of it, because maybe this is your church. So when we think about this as, as, quote, the paid players, well, you're on staff, Josh. It's, of course, it's your church. You're on staff. You get paid here. Do you know that I didn't need a job when I came into the church world? That I had one. I had a great, I had a great career path. But I was called. I was compelled to be part of, of something different, something that, that I couldn't get away from. My wife and I couldn't get away from it. And so as you look at the text here in Ephesians, this is what I feel like that I was called to do. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the people for the works of ministry, the works of service. I'm here to equip. And what did he just call you? What are you? He called you a saint. Josh, you need to equip the saints, equip my people for the work of what? Well, Josh, I thought you were in ministry. I thought you were the minister. No, you are a minister in your community. You are to be equipped for the works of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Well, why are we doing that? What's the point? It's to build up the body of Christ. Until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood and measure of the uh, stature of fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind and doctrine, by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. That's what I'm hoping to do here today. I want to speak the truth in love to you. We are to grow up in every way and into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, the whole body, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part of is working properly and makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Is this your church? Is this who you are? What part of the body are you? What gifts has God put on your heart? What are the visions and dreams he's put on your heart for your family, for your career, for your community, for your church, for God's bigger church? Because he gave them to you because he doesn't want you to perish. God does not want you to perish. You have visions, dreams, and goals for your church. It's not our job to have the vision, dreams, and goals for everything. God's given us some. Is this your church? Hebrews says, let, now let us consider how we may spur one another uh, forward towards good deeds and love. So today I'm trying, to, I'm trying to spur. As I've been spurred, that was spurring. Laugh. Okay? No, I don't know. I'm trying, we're trying to spur each other on. And I want to spur you on to think about your church. I want to spur you on to take ownership of your church, not to come watch a show, not to come watch people perform or... or crash and burn, or all those things, but to be a part of something great. To know that you are a critical part of it. You attending matters. Not for some dumb number for some church guy to count, but your attendance matters because God may be ordaining you to meet with somebody else. He may have an appointment here for you to love on somebody, to share with somebody, to go and do life with somebody. So let me ask you this question. Is are you a renter at Real Life on the Palouse? Do you have a renter kind of mentality? Not that renters are bad. 
Or do you treat real life as an owner? Because owners and renters kind of treat things differently. Renters would uh, maybe attend, show up, and come and tell you what's wrong. Hey, uh, I don't know if you know this, but your hot water heater's out in the place that you rent to me. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but the dishwasher doesn't work. Hey, I don't know if you know this. Do you understand? I'm not trying to put down renters. I'm just saying you treat things differently if you're an owner versus a renter. And how are you treating your church? Do you feel like you're an owner here? If there's a spill on the floor or if there's something goes on, do you go tell somebody else about it? Or you're like, hey, Josh, where's the mop? Hey, Josh, uh, we got, I have a problem over here. I want to I clean it up. Whether it's facilities or whether it's people, what about other people? Do you treat that as ownership or renting? Hey, this person's, their, their family's in trouble. Would you go with me? Would you help equip me and go with me? But I want to help them. You see, for, for many of us, there comes a point in life where we are ready to build equity. We are ready to, for more than a, a temporary living situation, we want a permanent situation. Is this your church? And it's okay to rent here. We just have a six-month contract. You can rent for six months, and then you got to be a part of it. No, we don't have a six-month contract. But if you catch yourself renting, you know, how can I be a part of that? What, I don't, I want, we're offering you, even if it's your first time here and you're a student here, we're offering you an instant equity opportunity to take ownership of your church, to take ownership of your faith, to take ownership of what this, of this area is going to look like. Owners work hard. They're always trying to make things better. When I moved into my house, my wife and I looked at our house and we're like, you know, these are popcorn asbestos ceiling. Yeah, it's probably not what we're really looking for in life. And so we paid somebody to scrape it off because I don't want to do that. No, but to scrape off. So we're fixing our house. And we scraped it off right into the carpet. You know why? Because we ripped out the carpet. And then we, we had somebody come in because I'm not competent enough to put together the floors, to do flooring. And so as an owner is making something better, how does that work in your own life, in your own house, in your own business, or how does it work in your own church? Are you making your church better? Is it your church? Romans 6 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. How's that working out in your church? Are you working hard in your church? Are you uh, serving enthusiastically? You know, uh, I just, as, as God has just continued to touch me on this thing, you think about owners. Owners care about their neighbors. Owners are humble. When you own something, you're not worried about somebody just shifting in and out. You want to know your neighbors because you may need them someday. And they may need you. Are you an owner at this church? Do you care about your neighbors or is it just a, like a, the fake, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. All right, great. See you next week. I lied. I'm not doing great. Or do you really care about your folks? Do you really ask that question and really mean it? Like, how are you really doing, man? Are you okay? You're doing good. You look good. Are you okay? Because I'm not. Let me tell you, I've had an unbelievable summer. Owners care about their neighbors. And owners are humble. 
Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Are you a humble owner? There's a bunch of great churches in our towns, in Pullman, in Moscow, in Colfax, in Potlatch. There's a bunch of great churches. We're not the only game in town. We're not always the best. We're not all those things. We're humble. We want to see this entire place explode for Jesus Christ. Amen? Right? Owners build equity. Owners have some skin in the game. When you make the leap from renting to owning, you've put something in. And maybe it could hurt if it doesn't work out the way that you want it to, or you mess up on a deck, or you mess up on you know, uh, some construction projects like myself. But, but I'm in. I've got skin in the game. Literally, skin in the game. Like, look, skin in the game, right? And it's a huge step in towards investing in the future of the Palouse. We need more owners. Is this your church? Or are you renting here? Or are you just attending here? Ownership. Here's some, here's some, some things that owners do. I found this online. I thought it was perfect um, for, for the sermon here. Owners like to improve things. We don't just abandon our stuff that isn't perfect or not just the way we like it. So we shouldn't do that with church either when we see mistakes. When I purchased a house, I went out to the back deck and it had a hole in the back deck. I didn't just say, well, we've got to throw away the deck now. I'm out of here. Look at that imperfection. I'm not going to be involved in this deck and just walk around the hole every time. No, I wanted to make things better. I wanted to improve it. So I attempted to build a deck and kind of did so but I wanted to improve it do you do that with your church because guess what I'm going to totally shock most of you here in Pullman and in Moscow but there are a few things that go wrong in our church amongst our staff amongst our facilities amongst all those things so what do you do when something goes wrong and you notice it do you think we're going to be offended if you bring it up to us no an owner tweaks things an owner fixes things so the church is made up of a bunch of people so it's bound to have a ton of faults some minor and some major when we see those weaknesses we need to look at them as an opportunity to tweak things and this is our chance to really put our own passions and our own dreams and creativity into how the church tries to love and serve other people owners improve things uh, owners maintain things. The church needs maintenance, and that can be literal, or that can just be that can be spiritual. So you see things in this. We have a couple that comes around in our church, amazing retired couple, and they'll come around and they're like, "Oh, and that door thing is coming off, or that's messed up," and they just all of a sudden they're in there, they're they're fixing things. If you see something on the wall that's broken, or you see something that's broken in your house, do you just go and tell somebody else about it, or? No, it's your responsibility. You take ownership, and I love how they've taken ownership of their church. And it's your church, too. Is it your church? So they maintain that the church needs maintenance. It can be literal as far as putting effort into upkeeping buildings and equipment that we worship with, but it also means we need to take responsibility of discipleship seriously. If we don't maintain the church by taking someone underneath our wing and grow them as a Christ follower, then the church can eventually wither away. Are you discipling somebody right now? You are. Are you biblically discipling them? 
owners, owners care for things. Owners take things seriously, and they understand, like, if we're talking about discipleship, we're doing it. And we're doing it because we feel like God's called us to do that, right? Owners care for things. The Bible tells us several times to take care of each other. Don't just watch your friends struggle and not do anything about it. We need to take action. We need to be willing to sacrifice a Friday night to help someone in crisis or give up a Saturday to help somebody move. We need to be available. We need to uh, be ready to go through life together. So guess who is moving a piano on Wednesday? Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember. I try to forget it. <laughs> Wasn't an upright either. Bad news. Right? You know what RLM stands for? Real life movers. <laughs> right? So when I think about equipping people for ministry and going back to Ephesians, it's not that I'm not doing ministry. I'm doing it alongside you. I'm not pointing out things that need to be done. I'm doing it and bringing people with me. Are you doing ministry and bringing people with you? Are you painting? On Saturday, my family uh, was real happy on a Saturday. We went over and we helped uh, paint some walls and clean some floors and wipe out cabinets and do all that stuff on a Saturday because that's what you do on a Saturday, right? No, because we love the people. We love, we love Paul and Molly as we're sending them off, and we don't want them to be super stressed out about their house and all those things, so we're serving. And you know what? We went over there. There was like eight or nine other people over there. You know what that tells me about Paul and Molly? They loved on some people. Because if you're going to clean house and paint and do all that stuff, man, you got some friends, right? So owners care for things. And here's the other thing. Owners enjoy it. Do you enjoy coming to church? You should look forward to going to church, right? Do you come to church out of obligation? I've said this before. Are you here because you're obligated, because your parents brought you, because it's my first day, I'm back in school, they're trying to get me plugged in, you know? Are you here because your wife made you do it, Right? Or you come here with anticipation. You come here thinking, even if Josh Gray is preaching, I'll probably get something out of here because God's here. Do <laughs> You come here excited to see that, man, I come here, my mind gets blown away. I'm like, wow, how could I have read that for 15 years and not even caught that? Do you come here excited? Are you preparing your heart? Are you listening to Christian music on the way to church uh, after you had your fight with your wife or your kids and all that stuff? And, you know, Satan tries to attack you. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you in this building worshiping God. He doesn't want you loving on your neighbor. He doesn't want you here to do that stuff. He wants you to be mad and angry at home because your tomato plant's got to be picked at 10, 10 o'clock. No, and it's important that you're here. So as you think about, do you enjoy your church? Again, uh, do you have a place to offer that makes it engaging for your friends and families and coworkers? Just like all of you have your favorite possessions. Are you proud of it? Are you excited about it? Are you really ready to take ownership of your faith? It's not about pointing people just to your church. What if this isn't the right church? Which this isn't the right church for everybody. But there is a right church for them. There is a right place to go. Are you helping them get there? I'm flushing the rest of it. How is our church doing? As an executive, I get asked that question a lot. How's our church doing? Like, what are we doing? How, you know, we're pretty rich, right? We own a mall. Mall's got a big mortgage, right? Which we're paying on. But how's our church really doing? What's really happening? And I just want to share with you some of the things to, to, to really so you know how your church is. And if, you, if I start going through this list, list of things and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Boy, those guys are great. 
Boy, we've done a lot of things. Or they've done a lot of things. Oh, wait, they have done a lot of things? No, I was involved in that. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. So let's talk about some of the things that have happened in our church. Let's talk about, we did a tithing series that made Aaron pull some more of his bald hair out. Right? Because he hates it. But it impacted our church greatly. It has changed lives. And you know what I look at when we have a tithing sermon? I don't look at the actual dollars that come in every week. Well, I do. But I don't, like, that's not the, the driver for me. I look over on this right side of this amazing spreadsheet, and it says total number of giving units. How many individual people said, yep, I'm in? And I don't care if it was, they were in for $10. I don't care if they were in for $12,000. They said they were in. And that's changing people's lives. I've heard story after story after story about people stepping out on faith. And they're writing a $200 check that somebody else isn't going to get paid for because they wrote a check to God. And all of a sudden, things just seem to work out for them. It's like God honors that faithfulness. I heard this comedian this last week at our Global Leadership Summit. He said, he said, this isn't, he was talking about giving in a thing he did for somebody. He goes, this isn't tithing. He said, tithing's not stealing. He goes, this is given. This is given over and above that. And how it was changing people's lives. Had this great video and they got this family an amazing car. It was so cool. So cool. So how about this? How about real needs? Are you guys familiar with real needs? And that's bigger than just us. We have a couple that's taking over this. How would you like to be a mom or a dad uh, where you come out of an abusive situation and you had nothing? You just had to get out of there. You don't have bed. You don't have clothes. You don't have a dresser. You don't have nothing. And all of a sudden, people show up and they're just bringing you stuff. We have storage space cleared out to have mattresses and things on stock. Is that your church? And is it not better to give than it is to receive? How would you like? Do you want to be on that team? You can contact these folks. Do you want to be on that team that's going to deliver a mattress and a, and a dresser to a, a mom who's just had her world destroyed? You talk about growing in your faith. You're talking about being excited about something. That's being excited about something. So we have things like real needs. Um, we had uh, a foster care. What I love about our foster care uh, program that we had is we, they said we needed snacks, and so we just inundated them, the foster care system, with snacks. I think they're just buried in them. There's probably somebody in there trying to swim out of snacks, right? Because our church responded. It was that tangible need that we could go to. And here's the even cooler thing about our church is we responded not with just, okay, well, here's some stuff, but I don't want to get dirty. We responded with people signing up to become foster parents. We res we, they responded with people actually going through the training. And you know what I love about our staff is we even had a staff member who he and his wife, Michael and Rose, uh, they took in a 12-year-old. They went through the full process. They didn't just say, hey, that's a good idea. They went and did it because they're not very busy. They got lots of time on their hands. They had all the excuses in the world. They went and did it. And a little boy got to live with them for, for five or six months and see what it was like to have a family that would love you no matter what and to see what it was like to have uh, boundaries and discipline and care and all those things and to actually get the chance to play baseball. Got signed up for baseball. Big deal, right? We're living it out. And as you think about this, we have uh, Night to Shine. I'll never forget this Night to Shine event that we had. I was in charge of the karaoke, which was a little suspect. <laughs> Not going to lie. I was in charge of the karaoke, and there was this 14 or 15-year-old girl up there. She had her dress on, and uh, she was singing uh, Let It Go from uh, Frozen. Is that right? Yeah. 
she was singing, and she was up there, and she was like, it's easy to see. She is just, she just, and I'm not kidding you, she had eyes closed and her fist was clenched, and she was singing it with all of her heart. She was singing it with all of her heart, and all of a sudden the room started to fill up, and she didn't know it. And so she, she gets done with it, you know, it doesn't matter anyway, and so then she like stands up and opens her eyes, and there's like 35 or 40 people like, like she just won the CMA Music Awards. And the look on her face was like, oh my gosh, people love me. People care about me. They think I'm good. They think I'm valuable. They think all these things. I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Is this your church? We have Genesis groups. We have, you know, uh, we had like close to 15 baptisms in July. 15 people that we reached for Jesus Christ, one person at a time. Do you know, and maybe you've even attended some churches that don't even have 15 baptisms in a year, and July is really slow. Summer's really slow. There's not a lot going on. Don't tell us that. We forgot. We forgot that there wasn't a lot of, people, a lot of things going on. We forgot that people didn't need the Lord so badly in their life that they just had to have him, and they wanted to confess that in front of everybody. That's, is this your church? Genesis groups, single moms groups. So we had this single moms uh, group start. And it started, uh, I think it was started, like it was on a holiday, but I think it was Labor Day weekend last year. And I was there helping out because my wife was involved in, in that. And I was like, in, internally I was like, you know, I'm kind of a smart executive. This probably isn't the best day to start a group because it's Labor Day weekend, it's Saturday. I mean, really, who's gonna show up? I don't know, 20 moms, 20 single moms with their kids looking to be involved and to be cared for and to loved on and be healed. And, and, and we had so many people that we had to close off the group. We had to stop and say, sorry, we, don't, we, can't, we can't even facilitate it. There's too many. And they got to go through and heal. They got to go through and heal emotions about how they felt about the dad that maybe left them, the spouse that left them. And they had women that were walking alongside them that had been down that road and their lives were changed forever. And now there's a gal that's doing the same thing. She went from being a single mom, hurt and broken, to now she's involved and she's serving and doing that. Is that your church? Do you even know about that? The Awaken Abuse Conference. Awesome, amazing. Kids going to camp. People, you know, you sent kids to camp. You sent kids to camp, middle school and high school. You sent them to camps. People accepted the Lord at those camps. like yeah like the rest of their life changed thank you right <laughs> father's day paintball i missed that that would have been so much fun benevolence things that are going on all the time or, or if you want to come on a thursday between 9 and 11 or 10 and noon or what, i can't remember the time frame is there, there's people out here and we're paying utility bills we're walking we're doing life with them that's that's your church we're fixing car transmissions we're paying medical bills we're doing all this stuff that's your church um, seniors ministry, Seder Mill. We had like 170 people come in here for a four-hour sensory experience uh, event about learning more about what does a Seder look like? What did the Passover mean to Jesus? What would it have looked like in his time? 
You think about all these things that we're doing, Israel trips, Spartan training over in Pullman. Derek did this amazing Spartan training with these guys, and they're like working out in the mud and doing that stuff. But they had scripture and prayer requests, and they like did life together, and they literally bled together. I know. Literally bled together and completed a Spartan race. All kinds of cool things that are happening. From Impact College Ministry, if you're a student here or in Pullman, um, we have, you know, they're out there today. They're ready to get you plugged in. They're ready to help you find, find your spot here in, in your new community. Um, marriage wins, people that from divorces to love and respect conferences or studies to coffee connections to uh, men's breakfast to school supplies, all of those things. Let me give you one last example of somebody taking ownership. They had a dream and a vision. And so this guy comes up to me, his name's Kevin Clucky. He comes up to me and he's like, Josh, I got an idea. I was like, all right, cool, shoot, shoot it. I love it when people have ideas. You know what you say when somebody has an idea? I learned this at the GLS. You don't say how, you say, wow, how can I make this happen? He said, I want to do a family camp. I was like, great, tell me more about that. Yeah, well, we used to do it at my other church, um, and I don't know how it would work in a church of this size, but I want, to, I want to do a family camp, and I want people to get together, and they can spend three days together camping, which you always get to know people, right? And, and I want to see if this thing works. I'm like, all right, Kevin, well, why don't you put your team together and give me some idea of what you want to do? And I throw that out there to see how hungry he is. Boom. Puts everything together, all this thing. It was one of our best events we ever had. People still talking about it. He built some amazing volunteers. We had an elder there. We had a, uh, a couple of staff members there. They're like, that thing was awesome. Is Kevin an owner? Is he an owner of this place or is he a renter? Is this your church? You know, we have other dreams and goals. You have other dreams and goals. Do you know, like, we get to sit in the plush, nice facility here, but Pullman has a plush, nice facility that we rent. But we have a dream and a goal for Pullman to have a space of their own. Right? Like, we have a space of our own, cool things we can do. They're part of us. We have a dream and a goal for that. We have a dream and a goal that we're kind of fleshing out right now to provide single mom uh, child care at our church in our classrooms during the week. So you got a single mom trying to get up on her feet and she just for some reason can't afford $1,000 a month in child care. Probably not a very good business idea, executive. Does it sound like it's a big money maker for you? No, I think we're going to lose on it, I'm pretty sure. We might lose on this side, but we're going to gain in the kingdom right? So we have dreams and goals, and you have dreams and goals. God has put them on your heart. You will not perish. Speak up. Be an owner. Take ownership of your church. Take ownership of what you have here. And really, you know, are you proud to call this church your home? Are you proud like this? Ooh. My dad gave me that motorcycle about four months ago, and I probably told the world about it. I was like, no, you got to check this out. It's so awesome. I'm running to, to, to Aaron. I'm running to all these guys. We're looking at the thing. I'm cruising around town with just a smile like this big. I'm telling everybody about it. Look at this. Look at Hey, look at this. I'm telling you about it right now because I'm so excited about that. Now, flush that. I'll probably wreck it soon. Flush it. <laughs> Do you feel that way about your church? Are you excited to bring people to your church? Do you think that their lives would be changed if they came here? So much more eternal than that stuff.
You can affect that. Are you proud of this church? And if you're not proud of this church, and this is not a place that you don't feel like you're an owner, you feel like you're an attender or a renter, and even like I'm talking to you college students, you can come here and own today. Be an owner of your faith. Be an owner of your campus, of where you're at and what you're doing. Take ownership. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass out the communion if you guys are ready to do that because I'm four minutes over. Uh, pass out the communion, but we do have an open communion here. If you're new with us, um, you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. You just have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior uh, to take communion with us. And so hold all the elements, uh, and we'll take it all together here as we roll through this. So do you know the 80-20 rule? Have you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? The 80-20 rule says that 20% 20% or 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people in a church setting give 80% of the money. And unfortunately, I can verify that statistic. Okay? We don't want to be a church that follows the 80-20 rule. We don't want to be a church where 20% involvement is a win. We want to flip it on its head. We want 100% involvement. And you know why we have to have 100% involvement? You know why this has to happen? Back to Ephesians. It has to happen. And it has to happen because, uh, verse 16, uh, if we are to grow up in every way uh, to to he who is the head Christ, excuse me, from, from the whole body is joined and held together by every joint. The whole body. You. You matter. Your joints matter. To make this complete, you matter. We have to do it. Right? And if each, each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. Do you want this body to grow? Not because we need numbers, not because we need money. You know why we want this body to grow? It says it in the text, so that it builds itself up in love. And how many people think that our community, that our world needs to know the love of Jesus Christ? Seriously, the love of Jesus Christ will change our communities. The love of Jesus, we are not as divided as, as, as it may seem. The love of Jesus Christ unites us. And that's why you've got to take ownership. You've got to choose to take ownership. It's got to be that critical. It's got to be that important in your life. So what's next? If I was a renter or if I'm new, how do I get involved and get into an equity position here in this church? I don't know, I just read off like a gazillion different ways to get involved. You have to be in a care group. You have to be in a small group. You will not be pastored or shepherded well here if you are not in a, in a, in a small group community. Whether it's a study, whether it's a care group, whatever it is, you have to. You have to, to get involved. What if you actually attended this service, but you came a full hour and a half earlier? I mean, you'd be spending like two and a half hours at church. It'd be crazy. And you came a full hour earlier and you served in the, in the, in the nursery or you greeted or you helped with coffee or you, uh, you helped hand out bulletins or you, you, you just were there in the connection area. What if you were fully, 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 fully invested where you actually served a service and attended one? You can do that. That's instant equity. And so we invite you to do that. So as we look at the implications here, the big question to ask yourself is as I was describing all these things, do you feel like, is this my church? 
is this my church? And if so, if it's not, find your church. I don't want you to leave, but if you can't plug in here for some reason that something's happened, find your church because God needs that. He needs your vision, your voice, your purpose, and, and, and you have vision, voice, and purpose, and he needs that. If it is your church, how are you interacting with it? Maybe you're just a check writer, and you come in and you watch other people do ministry because you write a check. Maybe God's calling you to more than that. Maybe you serve in children's church, but you're not a check writer. Maybe, maybe it's a combination of both. Wherever you are in ownership of this church, can you tick it up just a notch? Is God calling you to do something a little bit more? How can I get involved? What is the dream or vision that you, that I, have for this church? What do you want this church in Pullman to look like? What do you want this church in Moscow to look like? What about Potlatch? What about Colfax, these other places? What do you want that to look like? Because you have responsibility to your vision and dream that God put into your heart. And we're calling you to that. The Lord called us to that. He called us to that in the Last Supper. He called us to unity. And when we take communion, we take it in agreement. We take it in agreement that we're following him the best we can. So on that night he was betrayed, he held up the, the bread and he said, this is my body. Is this your body? Is this your body of believers? Is Jesus Christ part of who you are? This is my body. This is the bread. Take this and eat. And then he took the cup and he said, drink from it all of you. This is the blood of the covenant. Do you want to make a covenant with Jesus Christ? Do you want to make a covenant with this church? Do you want to make a covenant with God at wherever church you attend? Let's do this together. Father God, I just uh, ask for your hand upon your people here. Lord, filter out all the stuff that I said and let your word saturate them, Lord. Let your word be upon them. Lord, I ask you, Father God, your Holy Spirit would prompt them to get involved to wherever level they are, wherever they are, Father God, that they take ownership. Help me take ownership, Lord. Help me be a better owner. Help me be a better steward of your people. Help me be a better steward of your community. Help me be a better steward of your facilities, of your finances, all those things, God, I need you, Lord. I cry out to you, Father God. And Lord, I ask the same for everyone here. Lord, we want to be owners in your kingdom. You own it all. Thank you for letting us steward it. Help us to treat it like we're an owner. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter. And visit our website, elitherott.com.